When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the children, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They, uh, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gold, with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then they opened their presents and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Again, Lord, we just pray that you'll be with us today. I just pray that your word will speak. Exalted, Father, I pray that we will just uh, just take whatever you have for us today, Father. I pray that you'll speak to us in different ways. I know many of us have heard this story many times. And, Father, I just pray that your word will, will do its thing, that it'll open our hearts once again and that it'll speak to us once again, God. I know that I am an unperfect vessel, but, God, I just pray that you'll use this unperfect vessel to bring forth your good news of uh, the kingdom of heaven, Father, and I pray that uh, Jesus will be exalted and glorified and that uh, your name will be lifted high, Father, and that you will uh, just be, again, just be the center of our attention this morning, Father. May you receive all the glory and may you receive all the praise, Father. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. And then they opened their treasures and they presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, and these gifts that the wise men brought were not merely, you know, just uh, simple gifts, but these gifts that they brought uh, were gifts that were meant to be gifts of worship. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about about these gifts and uh, how these gifts even speak to us today. What do you guys know when you read the Bible and you, 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 you find truths? The, the truths are, are good today as well as yesterday. Amen? Like you can read it again and again. Many of you have heard the Christmas story before. And you've heard the story of the wise men and the shepherds and the angel and King Herod. But, but God's word continues to ring true, which is cool, right? And so um, we've been going over this story. And um, they were bringing these gifts, and we, we really believe that these gifts were not merely um, just simple gifts, but that these were gifts that were gifts of worship, and that these gifts were emblematic gifts. And so, and the first week we talked about gifts of gold, and we talked about how that speaks of the kingship of the Lord, and we asked the question, is the Lord the king of your life? Because the Lord is still the king, amen? And then uh, last week, uh, Pastor Nate spoke about frankincense, or Frankenstein, Right? And uh, so he spoke about frankincense, and it's speaking of the sacrifice and speaking of holiness. And then this week, we're actually going to be talking about the gift of myrrh. Can you say myrrh? Now can you can kind of roll your R, myrrh, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible, myrrh, okay, myrrh, the gifts of myrrh. Um, for some of you who maybe you might, maybe you might know this, maybe, maybe you might not, but myrrh was an ancient item it was an aromatic, ar- aromatic resin that came from a thorny tree. And it was harvested by repeatedly wounding a tree. In fact, they'd use it was almost like a knife, and they'd stab it, and they'd stab it. And once they stabbed the tree, um, what would happen would there would be the sap that would run out, and it would leak out. And once they let the, the sap harden, it would uh, produce this reddish-brown resin uh, that they called tears. And they would take this hardened resin and they'd harvest it. And it's interesting because actually myrrh is something that is still being used today. It's something that's still being harvested today. Maybe not quite as popular as uh, it um, once was. But it's, it's actually kind of gained some, 
significance once again with the uh, prominence of essential oils. And so if you know anyone who sells essential oils, I don't know if Sharon's in the house, right back there. But uh, she can actually probably provide you with some myrrh if you would like some. Um, but when you think about it, you know, I can kind of understand maybe the idea of gold and frankincense. But the idea of someone giving your baby myrrh, I feel it's like kind of a weird gift. Have you ever gotten a weird gift before? Like, have you ever gotten a gift and you're kind of looking at it and you're kind of wondering? Like, maybe I might be reading into this wrong, but like when, 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 when I think about uh, Mary and Joseph getting a gift of myrrh, getting this hardened resin, I wonder to myself, like, I wonder what they were thinking. Again, anyone gotten any weird gifts before? Raise your hand, okay. So I want to show you, but for, for those of you who were there last night, this won't be a surprise to you, but um, I actually got a wonderful gift from uh, Elizabeth last night. Um, from, we had a white elephant gift, and so um, she gave me the Federal Income Tax Code and Regulations 2019 and 2020 edition, which I don't know the purpose behind that. She also gave me a jar of dirt from, it's from Arkansas, right, Liz? She, and she gave me a bird feeder with uh, Sleeping Beauty on it, and she gave me a, a trophy that says your shepherd on it. So uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of wonder if, if Mary and Joseph were, were, were wondering the significance of this strange gift that they got. I wonder if maybe they were, maybe they knew exactly what it was referring to. But part of me kind of wonders if they wondered why they had gotten this strange gift of myrrh. Like, again, I can understand gold. That's kind of cool. Frankincense, maybe, sure. But myrrh seems like it's an interesting strange gift um, for your baby. Um, Myrrh had several uses. In fact, if you go back throughout the Bible, you can see that it was used for a couple different reasons. Um, First of all, you can see that it was used as a beauty treatment. If you go and you look in Esther chapter 2, you can see that Esther used myrrh to prepare herself for the king. It was used as a beauty treatment. You can see that it was used as a perfume in Psalms chapter 45. You can see that myrrh was used as a painkiller from Mark chapter 15 when Jesus was on the cross and they offered him myrrh mixed with wine. It was a painkiller. It was used as an antiseptic, as a mouthwash, as a toothpaste, as for like gum, uh, for gum disease. Um, But I think maybe most importantly, most uniquely, it was was also used as embalming fluid that uh, they often used for bodies um, in the ancient times so that the, it, it would mask the smell of rotting flesh. Myrrh appears 17 times in the Bible. It's the first oil that's mentioned in the Bible in Genesis chapter 37. And it's also the last oil that's mentioned in the, in the Bible in Revelations chapter 18. In the New Testament, the, the, the Greek word for, for uh, myrrh is the word smyrna. I don't know if you've read this before, but in the book of Revelation, um, when John the Revelator was on the island, he actually uh, wrote, um, there's actually a portion of uh, of Revelation chapter 2 that speaks specifically of this church in Smyrna, which was 30 miles from Ephesus. Um, And um, ironically, this church in Smyrna, their number one import and export was the... um, was myrrh. And this church, if you look at, again, at Revelation chapter 2, you can see that this church was a church that was faced with persecution 
and affliction and extreme poverty. And so, again, it's, it's very interesting that the wise men offered the, a gift of myrrh to this baby Jesus. It's almost like this gift of myrrh was a gift that was prophetically speaking of the kind of king that Jesus was going to be. It's almost like <laughs> this gift of myrrh was a gift that was prophetically speaking of the kind of king that Jesus was going to be. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says this. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. And this, is, this was written some 700 years before Jesus came on the planet. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of, of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. I think in giving this gift of myrrh, what the wise men were prophetically speaking of is they were speaking of the suffering that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was going to face when he came to, to planet Earth. He was, when he came, he didn't come in, in some, uh, uh, you know, he didn't come driving a Maserati. He didn't come in, an, 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 in a nice new Porsche. He didn't come and, you know, hang out in a nice, cool mansion. He didn't come and have, you know, all the nice things in life. He didn't come and have, he didn't come as a normal king would come. But we can see in Scripture that he came as a baby, and he, he came and there was no place for him. And he, he ended up sleeping in a manger, and his life wasn't a life that was filled with wonderful pleasantries where he was eating, I don't know, chocolate fondue every day. But, but we see that his life was a life that was marked with suffering. Speaking specifically of the type of king that, we would, that would come. If you go back a little bit further in Isaiah chapter 53, it says he was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering, and he was familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up, uh, surely he took up our pain, and he bore our sufferings. Are you thankful for that this morning, that he took up our pain and bore our sufferings? Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Stricken by him and afflicted. Again, he came and he didn't come and have, it's crazy when you think about the life that he came, the life that he lived, and the type of sacrifice that he made. And so actually, as the ushers come forward, we're going to take a moment this Sunday, and we're going to remember the sacrifice that he, that, that he made for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this. This was towards the end of Jesus' life. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
So we practice an open communion here at Taylor Christian, so you don't have to be a member to participate. But we do ask that you just examine your, your heart before you do. So um, let's go ahead and take the bread. It's a little tricky here with the opening. Just take the bread. God, we thank you for your body, which was broken. God, we thank you that, um, man, when you came, you suffered for us. In fact, in Scripture, it says that, um, man, you were, you were beaten, you were flogged, you were, you were, you were whipped, you were pierced for us, Father. And God, I, I thank you that, that you came and you, 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 you suffered for us and you died for us and you died for our sins, Father. And we, we thank you when we remember that on this, on, on this Sunday. You can go ahead and partake of the bread. And God, also today, we just remember your blood which was sacrificed, your blood which was poured out, Father. In Scripture, it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And God, even though our sins are as scarlet, we know that you wash them white as snow, Father. We thank you that there's power in your blood. And we thank you that there's just, um, we can come and, and we can, you know, we don't have to offer sacrifices again and again, but that we can just come to you and that you you, have, you are our high priest and you have tore the veil and we can come into your presence and we can find hope and healing and joy in your presence, Father. And God, I just thank you for your blood, which was shed, Father. And we just uh, remember your death this morning, Father. You can go ahead and you can partake. The juice. God, may you be glorified and may you be magnified. May you be lifted high, Father. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. And so here we are, and we are talking about death on our kind of our Christmas message. <laughs> We're talking about suffering. And, uh, you know, part of me, when I was getting ready for this message, I thought, you know what, what I should do is I should switch up, instead of talking about myrrh uh, the Sunday before Christmas, I should switch it up and I should talk about you know, I should switch it up and talk about gold and talk about how Jesus is the king, and, and I didn't end up doing that. And so I started thinking, and I started, I don't know, praying about it. And maybe some of you guys are here today, and you're like, you know what, Pastor Evan, this is Christmas, and I can't believe, you know, the, the week before Christmas, you're, you're talking about death and suffering, and you're talking about myrrh, and you're talking about Smyrna, and you're talking about this church that faced persecution, and you're, you know, and you're talking about embalming people. Like, this is not necessarily... The, the message that you should be preaching the week before Christmas. You should be talking about presents. You should be talking about eggnog. Anyone else like eggnog? That's right, gross. Put your hands down. Anyone anyway, you should be talking about the, the cute nativity and the Christmas lights. You should be talking about the carols and the holiday cheer. Christmas is about the cute little baby that's wrapped in swaddling clothes, that's sleeping in heavenly peace on a holy, silent night, like have I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm mean, like maybe, maybe, maybe you're sitting, you're just kind of wondering why in the world are you talking about the cross on Christmas? You should be talking about the presence and the joy and the laughter and the eggnog and the presence and whatever. But, but dare I say that I believe that the manger and the cross are connected, and I think that these these wise men traveled like 900 miles to not only celebrate Jesus' birth, 
but they also came 900 miles to um, come and, and come in recognition of his death. And, and, and there was a reason why he came. Um, he was uh, the Lamb of God that was born to be slain. You guys know what I'm talking about today? Like, he was the Lamb of God. He was born to die so that we could be born to live. Let me say that again. He was born to die so that you and I could be born to live. The, the manger and the cross are connected. You, you can't have a Savior without a sacrifice. You can't have death without birth. You can't have redemption without a redeemer. The, the manger and the cross are connected. And it's almost as if the, the wise men are presenting myrrh to you and I today. And here's the good news. You, he was born to die so that you and I could live. And I guess kind of the question that I have for you this morning is, are, are you willing to follow him? I think well, th- th- this, is, this is really what separates Christianity from other religions. When you think about it, Jesus came and he dwelt among us. He didn't come in power and prestige, uh, but he came as a baby in, humili- in humility his followers weren't extremely exciting. They were really a mixture of fishermen and tax collectors. Uh, there was a prostitute. Uh, some, many of them had anger issues. Many of them, uh, some theologians believe, were, were maybe even teenagers. And God came and he clothed himself in human flesh. And he lived a sinless life. He suffered many things. Uh, and, and he became the perfect, spotless, blameless sacrifice for you and for me. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our, need, with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, we have, it, again, we have, we, have a, we have a God who came down and he dwelt among us. We have a God who isn't just on a cloud somewhere with a lightning bolt in his hand. We have a God that isn't far off and distant, but we have a king who came and dwelt among us. We have a king who, uh, who, who tore the veil. Isn't that awesome? We have, a, we have a king that wants to have a personal relationship with you. We have, a, who, who have a king who is as close as the mention of his name. We have a king who, again, he dwelt among us. And I think that's the beauty of the Christmas season. That's the good news, and he came and he died so that you and I could live. In fact, it says in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Will you follow him this morning? It's almost like the wise men are speaking to us today. Are you willing to die to yourselves today. In fact, it says this in Luke chapter 9. It says, and he said, and Jesus is speaking, says, the Son of Man 
must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And, we must, and he must be killed on the third day. He must be raised to life. And then he said to them, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Are you willing to follow him this morning? I'm going to call the ushers forward one more time. And are you willing to be the light of Christmas? And so, worship team, you guys can come up.